right. Hello, hello, Local to Legend listeners. Today's guest is Brian Hempseth, the founder of Volunteer Local. Volunteer Local, for anyone who's new to the company, is a user-friendly volunteer management platform used by nonprofits, event planners, and volunteer coordinators of all types. Their system has so much to offer, from scheduling volunteers to collecting volunteer data to communicating seamlessly with emails or SMS. It truly is the go-to platform when it comes to managing volunteers. So I'm excited to share what it's like to build a technology company that supports local causes and events in a really meaningful way with Brian as the guest today. So welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for being here. And tell us a little bit about yourself and how Volunteer Local got started. So I am, my education was in uh, computer engineering. So I technically should have been working on like cell phones and computers and the hardware side of things but uh, found a passion for the web development side during college and then after. And uh, in 2001, I was part of the dot-com fallout and found myself looking for a job because no one wanted to invest uh, in you know, the technology at that point because the bubble had burst. I shouldn't say no one wanted to invest, but it was a very different world at that time. And so I didn't want to work for anybody else again. So I hung up my, my shingle and um, started a web development business building websites for anybody who would pay me. And uh, one of our very first clients was the Des Moines Arts Festival. And we did their website for free because the, the late Modena was outstanding at asking for uh, things in general. Uh, she was a heck of a, a fundraiser, sponsor, getter, uh, all around great woman. And uh, so we did their website for the first couple of years. And then in 2003, she approached me and said, I need a way to manage the 350 or so volunteers that come to the festival on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we devised a system that allowed a volunteer to pick their own shift, uh, pick their own job, and put it into a, a nice little spreadsheet that then the arts festival employees could manage to check the volunteers in and out. And it worked so well that year that we decided to spin it off into its own thing. And I don't remember when the name Volunteer Local actually came about. I don't know. If, uh, I know when we registered the business, it wasn't until 2009. So at that time, it may have been called Volunteer Local, but it was definitely had its roots with the Des Moines Arts Festival. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's kind of fun in my office that I've retreated to since the pandemic started, I'm surrounded by all the posters from all the years of the Des Moines Arts Festival. So I've got those uh, hanging up. It's been an important part of the journey uh, for the company. So um, that's really, you know, it's, it's thanks to her asking mm -hmm. to solve a problem she had that uh, we were able to build something. And uh, not to go too far into it, but... The years that followed, then we just gave it away to local nonprofits, and it was it was just always this thing on the side that I never considered would turn into a business um, until uh, another uh, milestone in the company happened. But um, it was a cool thing to build for local nonprofits for a good, you know, four or five, six years there for a while. Mm -hmm. So when did you? What happened to be like? Okay, I think like we'll do this for more than just the arts festival. <laughs> right. So I was on a committee with uh, Young Variety, and in 2008 they introduced the Hy-Vee Triathlon, and there was a get together in the fall of 2007 where they brought in folks from Variety to let them know that there's a new event coming. It was going to be you know a big part of it was the, the fundraising side to help Variety, the children's charity, and so I walked up introduce myself to uh, a person that worked at Hy-Vee and I said, I've got a tool that can help you manage your volunteers for the event. And um, very respectfully, but still very dismissively said, oh, you know, we got this. We have a whole IT staff. We'll figure it out. And so I followed, and, and again, very polite, but I, so I wasn't totally put off or anything. But it was just like, oh, okay, no problem. So I followed up though, a little bit of persistence. I followed up the next week with an email and said, 
no, really, here's the platform. It's free. Here's your username and password. Go ahead and jump in and, and just use it. And again, as I mentioned earlier, this was really just something on the side that I did. So I wasn't monitoring who was using it or the logs or anything. It was just this, this flip site that floated out there and people used it or they didn't. Well, fast forward to the spring of 08, and I'm on the email blast from Variety saying volunteer positions are open. You know, please come help out the organization. I was bummed because like, I didn't hear from them. So I clicked the link and voila, it was volunteer local. So yeah, the folks at Hy-Vee had gotten in, gotten in, got it all set up. And it was just this euphoric moment of like, holy cow, they did it. They actually figured it out without any help from me. So I called them up. Uh, I said, hey, I'm the guy that did this. And like, we've been looking for you. We don't know who you are. <laughs> and so they, they, you know, they asked a couple of questions. And that year, it actually pulled it off. Uh, I think 1,600 volunteers over the course of maybe a week's worth of scheduling. Wow. I got the attention of USA Triathlon, got the event, uh, the race director's attention, who was based in Louisiana at the time. So it kind of became a stepping stone of like, okay, this this could work for pretty serious events. And then uh, it was funny, as like a post-event post wrap-up with the folks at Hy-Vee, they, um, they said, we can't believe this is free. And I said something to the point of, well, it's not anymore. Um, <laughs> and they, they, had, they had graciously offered to pay for it. I think, you know, just probably in their minds, like we should probably be paying for something that's doing sure. this. So they became the first paying customer the next year. And that was kind of the aha moment of like, okay, this is valuable and people are willing to pay for it and it can actually do a lot of work. So that was, mm -hmm. uh, that was 2008, 2009 timeframe. That is so funny. So as someone who knows nothing about like developing software or websites, did it take you a really long time to kind of get the foundation started? Hmm. It's been forever. I mean, sure. 2021 for all your listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I honestly can't remember. I, I think I could speak for most developers that you kind of stack, right? You, you build things, you add to, and some components are reused later. So, you know, starting from ground zero, it would be a pretty monumental task to, to mm -hmm. replicate uh, something like that. But so much was just built. And, that, and a lot of credit goes due to those nonprofits that used it for those first few years because Every time they wrote into me and said, Hey, can it do this? Can it do this? I just added it. Oh, so it was okay. kind of a compounding effect. Um, I will say we've, we've had some interesting growing pains in the last year or two as the platform was really designed to be very event centric. Mm -hmm. So marathons, arts festivals, music festivals. And you think about that type of volunteer position, it's over a weekend or maybe a week, but Again, an event is very different than a, a rolling nonprofit type program right? where there's an application process and maybe you're going to volunteer every week on Tuesdays at four o'clock or, you know, some sort of sporadic schedule. So the, the software and the pandemic was actually interestingly timed for us that we were just getting into the nonprofit space in a, in a more significant way that the, the technology actually took a lot of twists and turns in terms of how it works. And so mm -hmm. that is it. Just to related to your technology question, uh, getting more tools and features catered to the nonprofit side has been a, a heavier investment than I think we would have ever thought. But mm -hmm. when you step back and look at it, it's like, of course it was. It's a completely different use of the platform. Yep. So now people are able to, if they have weekly volunteers, be able to communicate and recruit people that way? Or that's something you're building right now? They can. So we, it's, you know, the software's never done, right? The the, um, mm -hmm. If you're old enough, you would have remembered websites that said under construction. Yeah. And those were always there. Um, people got smart enough to say, yeah, we can just take that down because it's just going to always be under construction. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I Today, we serve the nonprofit space very well. We've got a few more significant features on our roadmap that will really solidify us even further. But 
today I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away at all from even a, a really, really big nonprofit from coming onto our platform. Mm, very cool. So do you remember kind of like you started bringing on these triathlons, other events, you were starting to say like, Hey, you're going to pay me for this. Like, did you reach a point where you're like, like feeling pretty serious about maybe hiring a teammate or like, do you remember kind of that, that moment in the company? Yeah, there was a few of them. Um, we, we were part of an early demo fund grant that the state of Iowa did. So back in the day, it was called the demo fund grant. And today that name still exists, but it was different. They actually did two to one forgivable grants. I want to say this was 2009 or 10. So with the success that we saw with the high triathlon and entrance into the USA triathlon, and the timing of this is interesting because Mike Caldwell moved to town in 2008. Mm-hmm. Part of his role, his job was to find startups or technologies like what we had built, what I had built, and say, let's figure out how we elevate this. And so those things came together. We applied for a demo fund grant. And I want to say, I think the total number was like 90K. Uh, we had to come up with 30, the state matched 60. And so we put that to use as best we can. Um, in those early days, it was myself, Jeff Wood, and Brad Dwyer. Um, we're all partners in the business trying to get this thing off the ground. And, and we really had this vision for a build it and they will come an automated technology. And uh, anybody doing that today knows that's just generally 99% of the time, not the case. So we went through a lot of iterations of um, just kind of trying to get the business model worked out, trying to get the onboarding worked out. And in 2010, wait, let me think for a second, 2012, excuse me. So, we spent another year or two um, trying to refine all of this and get it going. And just to keep it for perspective, like it wasn't ever a full-time thing for me still even at that point. You know, we had brought on that demo fund money, but it was still, you know, early proof of concept. Like, let's get this out there. Um, 2012 then, with just like a little bit of money in the tank. And I want to say, let's say there was maybe 20 grand worth of customers paying us at that time. Um, we put on a job description for an internship. And the idea of the intern was going to be, let's build a community Let's see if we can't grow the space organically because we've proven like we, we can sell this. It's valuable, but it really needs a human behind it, like communicating with people. So we interviewed a few people and we're very, very fortunate to come across uh, a very young woman named Kaylee Williams. And we hired her in 2012 uh, with this, this sparkling title of intern and <laughs> gave her all the you know, tools to say, hey, build a community, get to know the customers, get to know the competitors, get to know the market. And uh and she, with flying colors, colors, of course, she took that on and did really well. And towards the end of the internship, I got really open with her and transparent. I said, all right, here's the deal. This thing makes money. Not a lot. We have enough to pay you through your internship. At that point, though, I don't know what the future holds. But if you want to take a chance, uh, we're going to you know, let you run with this thing. And we're going to see what we can do with it. Yeah. And like the entrepreneur she is, she grabbed the handles by both hands and ran with it. And so... I'll fast forward, you know, over the next eight years or so, but, you know, she took that initiative and grew it uh, into the company that is today. Um, we don't uh, publicly speak about our client size or revenue, but it's, it's grown into a significant concern in um, 2019. So let's talk pre-pandemic because I think mm-hmm. anybody, uh, yeah, if, you, if you account for the pandemic, that's like not fair. I think. Right. Uh, at least for a while, we all get to cheat and just skip 2020. But we were we were sitting um, with four full-time employees. We had five, I think, contract workers doing sales for us. And uh, we had seen really, really good growth from the previous four years. Like it, it 
really starting to catch with the markets. Um, our business model made sense. So the pandemic was still timed for the entire planet, let's be honest. Um, but it really, it definitely sucked for us just because our growth was, was really hitting a good stride. So mm-hmm. there's a, yeah, a little more of the, the history, but yeah, you know, Kaylee coming on was a huge milestone for the company. Yeah. Um, she took on so much and, uh, and grew it. Mm-hmm. And so what was your, as the founder, do you feel like you've always been like really attached to seeing how the company does like guiding, advising, still involved, or what does your role look like? You know, considering you brought her on, brought other teammates on, like, what did you get to do with your time? During that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for those that don't know me, I'm a developer, a uh, self-taught developer. And so, uh, I was the guy behind the scenes on nights and weekends writing the code. So, Kaylee and team would be out front talking to the customers, figuring out what was broken, uh, what needed to be built, what new features would you know help us win more deals, and they would bring that back to me. And so, I was mm-hmm. kind of on double duty trying to make all that work. Wow! Uh, if you're you know if you're out there thinking about starting a startup, if you can find a way to build the tech for cheaper for free, <laughs> uh, that's always a win. And now uh, you know I am the majority shareholder. So, I mean that's my that's my give in all of this, but. Um, yeah, my role for up until 2019 was as I just described. And again, I, as I mentioned, we'd hit enough growth um, that I actually came on full time mm-hmm. then in July of 2019. So which was kind of a nice milestone for myself to say, you know, look what the team has built. I'm able to come on now and uh, leave my post at the Global Insurance Accelerator and, and come on a volunteer local. Okay. I guess I didn't know you were doing this full time with your, your time. Are you doing other things as well? Yeah, so volunteer locals full time since July of 2019. Okay, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. I, I didn't realize you had reached that milestone and like coming into the company full time. Yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah, like I said, the the growth that sustained enough that uh, Kaylee approached me that spring and said, "Looks like we can make this move." So cool, kind of a, another leap of sorts. Yeah. So, what does your role look like today? Now that you are like not hopefully not working only nights and weekends. <laughs> Right. What do you get to do? Uh, I will say, yeah, it's um, it's everything I thought hoped it would be in terms of like we can respond so much faster, you know, to the clients. I can jump on calls at two o'clock on a Wednesday, hear firsthand uh, what it is that we need done. So I think in a way, while what my comment earlier was, if you can find you know a development resource that can do that for you on the cheap, um, you know, what hampered us was just that I wasn't in the mix on a full time basis. So, yeah. That, that has certainly allowed us to accelerate development of new features uh, and possibly picking up clients who would have otherwise lost, otherwise lost because I can hear what those needs are and help the team make a decision of like, okay, we can do this or, mm-hmm. you know, no, this takes us too far from what we do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like in some of the stuff, even with hummingbirds, like someone will, I'll have this idea about technology. I'm like, that just sounds impossible. There's no way someone could build that. That would be like a million dollars. And then the, tech person's like, oh no, it's really simple. I'm like, what? <laughs> like you just don't know unless you're like in your head. So it's great that you're able to like have a conversation with one of your customers and probably like see a few things in your brain compute and be like, okay, yeah, like I could do that in the next 15 minutes or maybe 15 hours, whatever it is. But like how beautiful to have you so responsive to the needs of your your community. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, any entrepreneurs out there listening to getting started, if you're not a developer, I'd encourage you to learn as much as you can. Um, it's not that you're going to probably change your career path and become a developer, but being able to speak that language. Yeah. Some of the developer says, well, I got to do this, this, this. Not that you're going to call them out, but you might have some appreciation of like, okay, this is 
you know, or at least ask them some of the challenging questions to say, what about this? You know, mm-hmm. you won't have the technical chops to actually propose the solution, but might challenge them a way that gets them thinking differently. Because we, mm-hmm. whether you're a designer or developer, whatever it might be, you get into your your ruts, right? This is how I do things. And so it's, yeah. it's good to have someone that has just enough perspective of what your role is to be able to challenge it and say, what about this? Mm-hmm. I love it. That's so cool. Can you walk us through, like, if someone were listening to this, they're in the nonprofit space or event space, and they've not heard of Volunteer Local, like, it's obviously uh, such a shame, but now they're, they <laughs> get to learn about you. But how how does it work? Like, how does it work to become a new customer? Talk a little bit about some of the features your customers are currently loving. What's going on with Volunteer Local today? Yeah. Sure. Well, I think it's relative to talk about the pandemic and the return of in-person events. So we, it's interesting, we could start to see it uh, when it all went down in, in that February, March of 2020. We actually met with one of my longtime uh, advisors, mentors, uh, a guy named Brad Williams. And I, I don't know, it was, it was still early, but he looked at us and he said, this is coming. And I remember Kaylee and I kind of shrugged like, oh, it's in China. <laughs> <We're Right. fine." laughs> And then, um, you know, South by Southwest canceled. This is happening. Like events are going to start canceling. And and we could see it in the communication part of our program. Our volunteer coordinators communicating to the volunteers of like, yep, we're not happening. Mm -hmm. So flip to a year later, it's beautiful now to see the opposite and to see those customers coming back to us and signing back on. So I haven't answered your question yet, but um, whether it's a client coming back to us or signing up for the first time, um, we're, oh, we're very human, uh, enabled. And so you can reach out mm-hmm. to us and schedule demos and talk to real people. But, you know, the ideal customer can get in, sign up on our website all on their own. They actually can drop their credit card in if they decide to become a paying customer. But the, the process is to create your event or your program. So again, whether it's a weekend festival or a year long program for a nonprofit, create the tasks that you need done. So you need to have somewhat of a roadmap. You know, here's, here's the skills that we need or the tasks that we need to get done. And then some sort of a schedule. So whether mm-hmm. they're three hour shift or seven hour shifts and we repeat here often, or if it's you know, stacked on a Saturday, uh, we create a lot of tools where our users can create those with their user interface. They can actually upload a spreadsheet. If they're, if they're mm-hmm. dying to use their Excel skills, which a lot of people still are, um, they can actually create thousands of shifts in a spreadsheet and put it right into our system. Um, at that point, then we produce a sign-up page that a volunteer can come to, grab the shifts they want, you capture whatever demographics you want, and they're done. So our our claim to fame, I think, what sets us apart from I think everybody else in the in the uh, industry is we are passwordless. So when you're a volunteer, mm-hmm. you don't create an account, you don't have to remember your password. It's a one-page sign-up. Your email address is your unique identifier, and um, you know, the beauty of that is, is like, yeah, someone could come sign up as Emily Steele on this form, which you, anybody could do anyway. Uh, and then when you get that email, it says, no, I didn't sign up to walk dogs uh, next Saturday. I guess you would cancel. So it's weird. I'm not, I'm not throwing onto the internet any sort of challenge to hack our stuff, but it, yeah, don't do that. It, <laughs> you just don't need a password. So for us, like the ease of signing up is a big reason our clients not go with us. And then mm-hmm. the whole thing that we started doing. And this was, you know, I mentioned earlier, we build on top of things as developers. Our my business I was running when this all started uh, built websites, and we had our own content management system. And so, 
one thing that's always been inherent to volunteer local is ability to wrap a client's website to look just like their website. I'm sorry, let me say that again. To wrap the volunteer local service to look just like their website. So when you go to the arts festival and click volunteer, it doesn't feel like you've left. So for us, that's, and you're a branding professional, marketing side, mm-hmm. so to have mm-hmm. that feel of like, not only did I not leave the website, like I got this jarring design change, but also I don't have to create a password and an account. So that's a long answer, but I think, you know, that's, that's one of the things that our clients can expect. And when they come to use our platform, that's, uh, hopefully mm-hmm. they can go by ourselves, but if not, they just reach out to us. Yeah. And I know based on experience, like this was like 2013, I was an AmeriCorps member and using volunteer local. And even then I was just like blown away at how easy it was to communicate with specific types of volunteers. Mm -hmm. So like you had like the water crew or if you had like the morning shift and like you had to change locations because, you know, something was blocked on the road. Like you could just email a segment of people or the text messaging. Like it just, the customization and how you segment people, I think is so, so, so helpful. And the way you can just like pull the report so quickly for those spreadsheet lovers who do like to see things um, in Excel. Like I just, I was blown away by that. And so I can't even imagine logging in today and having that experience. And I kind of appreciate what you said too about like someone having access for free for two weeks or the 14 day trial. I like that was a newer feature because you guys didn't always have that. Did you? No. So that's, that's been one of the fun things about just this journey is trying to figure out our customers and what's the best way to really show off the product without necessarily getting to talk to them. So I'll, I'll tell you, we had for a long, long time, a free version of our product. Um, but we never mapped out how we convert those free people into paying users. Now there was always an upsell that said you could have this feature, but really what we end up with is just a lot of free users that just, it did the job, right? It was better than Google sheets or whatever it might be. And so we phased out our free version and converted it into a 14 day free trial. So we might lose some of those clients that are looking for a free solution, but you know, that's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We found at one point we were just, we were supporting a lot of free users that were never going to pay us. Um, Feels good, but it doesn't help help us pay the bills. Um, Yeah. And to your point, you know, if you're referencing far enough back, yeah, there's been a ton of features really, especially in the last 24 months, um, one of the, one of the cool things that we can do now, and this gets back to that nonprofit side is we've, we've, um, if you want to, you can put an application in front of the shift selection process. That application can actually have some, some brains to it. So if you've got certain skills that you bring to the table, it can show or hide certain jobs or shifts to you. So you can become qualified, I guess, to okay. deliver food because you have a, a CDL or you can you know do certain medical things because you're certified for CPR, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense for some roles. I mean, some most of the ones I've ever managed, no qualifications. <laughs> like show up, show up, point you know? to people where to go to the bathroom. Right. Yep, be present. Just right. please promise you will show up for your volunteership. Like that is was always the biggest thing for me. So you've been in the startup world for a long time. So I feel like a lot of people who listen to this are maybe new in business or just getting started in the first few years. So any words of wisdom from from your experience? Of getting started. Yeah. yeah. And like and sustaining, right? Like keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I ran the global insurance accelerator for five years. Um, mm-hmm. this, this whole journey that, uh, was a eye opening experience just because of, you know, you work with hundreds of, of entrepreneurs through that yeah. and you see, um, some of their failures, some of the things they did to be successful. So, um, 
you know, I stick to the basics though. When you're, when you're just getting started, um, obviously find a problem to solve. I mean, you think back to 2003 when Modena approached us, she had a problem. I didn't have to come up with it on my own. I think, you know, too many entrepreneurs try to solve their own problems without realizing like, is this really a problem for everybody else? Or am I just building something for an audience of one? So you know, get out there and find somebody else's problem to solve. Um, that'd be the first step to figure out how big that market is. So working in the insurance industry for five years, opened my eyes. That's a multi-trillion dollar industry. So if you're an entrepreneur that wants to get rich, um, I don't know if I would encourage you to get into the nonprofit space, um, even <laughs> events for that matter. It's a ton of fun. We have some amazing clients who send us like truly heartfelt notes of, like mm -hmm. on their own. Just be like, we love your program. It saved us this. And that is a, a really good feel good, but it doesn't pay the bills either. Um, so, I mean, I think understanding your market and how big of an opportunity you have, people skip over that. They get super excited about what they've built mm -hmm. and they get destroyed when, you know, a, a local angel investor or a VC firm doesn't show that same interest. And you start to create mm -hmm. doubt of like, well, wait a minute, I thought this was super cool. Why doesn't nobody like this? Well, it's probably not you, it's your market. So yeah. I think that's a, a, step, a step that a lot of entrepreneurs skip is to understand what is the real market opportunity? What's the market size? Uh, in there. Mm -hmm. There's a couple, couple things to keep in mind as you're building. I love it. Awesome. So thank you for being on the podcast today. If people are wanting to learn more about Volunteer Local and what it's all about after the episode, where should they head to? www.volunteerlocal.com. Love uh, it. Send us feedback, critique us, whatever. Yeah, we're, like I said, there's a handful of us uh, here rebuilding after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, we just hired Chris, uh, who's based in Pittsburgh. Okay. Isabel is in Iowa City. Uh, we've got Paige in Nashville, John in Kansas City, and Summer uh, here in Des Moines as well. So this is a small team. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to hear from anybody that has any questions about what we can do. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show today, Ryan. Thank you, Emily. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Local to Legend. If you really enjoyed this episode, as always, feel free to share it with someone who may need a dose of inspiration today or feel free to leave a review so we can touch more lives of local business owners everywhere. And say hello to us in the DMs if you hang out on Instagram. We're over at love.local and we love supporting you, getting to know you, sharing your stuff and learning what you're all about. So thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.